All right, if you have your Bibles uh, this evening, let's go back to James 1, James chapter 1, and we'll keep building on this, amen. But uh, James chapter 1 and verse number 2, praise God, I'll put it up on the screen. So the title of tonight's message is Ready for Trial Part 6, Ready for Trial Part 6, and the simple, I guess, idea behind this message is the Bible has a lot to say about our faith being put on trial and we you know tend to think of that in different ways but back end of last year and then leading up to uh, the middle of March uh, and then you know the Lord began to kind of show me some things about this uh, you know in like what I understand about a civil or a criminal trial you know, judge, jury, prosecutor, defense, you know, these kinds of things, and, and really putting the idea of our faith uh, on trial in, in that context. We're looking at it, breaking it down in light of that. So let's begin here, verse number 2, James chapter 1 and verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, there's a statement the Lord dropped in my heart a couple of weeks back, and I'm continuing to share that with you on Wednesday night, remind you of this on Wednesday night, and that statement is simply this. You cannot move the mountain as long as the mountain can move you. You cannot move the mountain as long as the mountain can move you. But when your faith and endurance become strong enough to where the mountain can't move you, then the mountain will move. The mountain will move. And when we talk about our faith being put on trial, that's really what we're talking about. The enemy uh, coming against our faith, coming against things that we believe we've already received but haven't yet possessed, and, and, and trying to uh, get us to deny, back down from, and ultimately agree with Him as opposed to our faith confession. Now, sadly, every trial ends with a winner and a loser. Trials are adversarial in nature. Trials are, are a battle. It's two sides in opposition to one another coming into court uh, to bring the matter to a conclusion. And so every trial there is a winner and a loser and when it comes to the trial of our faith there is also a winner and a loser and far too many of God's people are losing their case where their faith when their faith is tried because they're not ready for trial I didn't say that right let me say it one more time far too many of God's people are losing their case when their faith is tried because they are not ready for trial. Now, we began to break some of this down last week. I want to continue uh, making some of these points tonight. And not just because it sounds cool or it's a neat uh, parallel, but because the Bible confirms uh, these things. And when we talk about the trial of your faith, there are a few things that's very important for you to understand. I believe the most important, and we mentioned this last week, but um, we're going to expand on it 
uh, tonight. When it comes to the trial of your faith, perhaps the most important thing that you and I can understand is that the judge has already ruled in your favor. The judge being your heavenly Father. The judge being God Himself. The judge, amen, when your faith is put on trial, there's a judge, there's a jury, and there's a prosecutor. The judge is your heavenly Father. Sometimes Jesus sits in for Him. Matter of fact, if we want to be really biblically accurate, we see that Father was the judge, but now He has turned those duties over to Jesus. Alright? But what you and I need to understand is that with God as the judge, when your faith is put on trial, He has already ruled in your favor. So the judge has ruled in your favor. Satan is the prosecutor. He is what the Bible calls an adversary, or Revelation identifies him as the accuser of the brethren. So he is the one bringing accusation against your faith. Now, when we talk about a trial, we have the prosecutor, that's the enemy. We have the judge, that's God. And then we have the jury. And when it comes to your faith being put on trial, your heart is the jury. Your heart is the jury. Now, turn with me, praise God. I get so excited when I come to these sermons. It's like, it's like I can't get enough out of my mouth fast enough, all right? So, deep breath. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I've got some important points to make tonight, and I can't make them all at the same time, so we're going to make them one at a time. Amen. All right. So let's start with, let's start with this important statement that the judge has already ruled in your favor. So many people think that, that and it's so wrong, and we spent time early in this series uh, showing this to you from the Word of God, but so many people think when their faith is on trial that somehow God is the one who's trying them. That somehow God is, is, is trying to get you to prove your faith to Him. My friend, nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible does not uh, back that up. Instead, the Bible confirms that Satan is your adversary. He's the one that's coming against <coughs> Excuse me, your faith trying to challenge it, uh, contradict it, and, and disprove it. So, is God involved in this? Yes, He's the judge. And He's already ruled in your favor. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 confirms this. So, let's go there. It says, But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in Him was yes. For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen. Amen means so be it. Amen means let it be. 
Absolutely. All the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him so be it, in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. He's talking about the message that they preached. And when he says they, he, he says it wasn't just me, Paul, but in addition to me preaching this message, Silvanus preached it and Timothy preached it. And the message that he presented to them was not a yes and no message, but it was a yes message. It wasn't sometimes yes and sometimes no and sometimes maybe, but the message, the gospel that they preached, the kingdom that they declared, the covenant that they revealed, it was a yes kingdom. It is a yes gospel. It is a yes covenant. Satan is the one who tries to take a yes gospel and make it a yes and no gospel. Satan is the one behind the statement, sometimes God does and sometimes God doesn't. That is wishy-washy. And our Father is not wishy-washy. He does not waffle. He is not confused. He does not waver. He is not a yes and no God. He is, as it pertains to the Gospel, as it pertains to the things that He's promised you and has already given to you as His son and daughter. It's not sometimes yes and sometimes no. It is an affirmative. It is an absolute yes. He said it was not yes and no, but in Him was yes. Now I can only imagine that you know some of the lies that we hear uh, pertaining to the promises of God uh, in our day uh, were some of the same lies that were circulating through the church in Corinth and for that matter, the church at large uh, in the Apostle Paul's day. In other words, the devil is behind those lies and, and if, he's, if he's lying to us today that sometimes God heals and sometimes He doesn't, he would rather you believe the lie that God never heals. And there are a lot of preachers, and I'm using that term loosely, that preach from the pulpit that God doesn't heal. Well, they're wrong. He does. I'm not even going to go there tonight. But, but what we have is a lot of folks who say, well, sometimes He does, sometimes He doesn't. You know, what may be His will for you uh, may not be His will for another person. Listen, there are things pertaining to God's will for our lives that are unique and specific and individual, but the promises of God are made to all of God's children. He didn't promise me healing and not promise it to another person who's, who's been born again who would be his son or his daughter. We're talking about inheritance, and we are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you and me. And so I am sure there were folks stirring up you know, lies and, 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 and false teachings and that were circulating through the church at Corinth. And, and so, you know, they came up with this idea that it's, it's, it's yes and no. And, and he shut that down. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul shut that down and says, no, it's yes. All the promises of God in Him are yes. And in Him so be it to the glory of God through us. So this is what I mean when I say the judge in your faith case has already ruled in your favor. If it, if it pertains to household salvation, he's already dropped the hammer on the devil and said yes. He's already agreed. He's already promised. And all of his promises are yes and so be it.
Now, let's build on that for just a moment, and then we'll move on to, to some other things, digging this a little deeper. Because our Heavenly Father has gone on record testifying on your behalf, ruling in your favor, this means that you can take, if you're listening on podcast, I'm holding the Bible up to the camera, this means you can take the transcript, capital T, H-E, capital T-R-A-N, capital T, transcript. You can take, this word is the transcript of His sworn testimony. When He could swear by none greater, He swore by Himself. He took an oath and He swore a testimony. He didn't just promise these things cavalierly, but He promised these things and then ratified them with the blood of His Son. And should the devil ever haul your faith into court, why don't you get out the transcript of your Creator Father's testimony and read it into evidence? Praise the name of the living God. The judge has already ruled in your favor. And the transcript of his testimony for you to read into evidence is available at any time. At any time. So this is what we mean by being ready for trial. You know, when, when I'm getting ahead of myself, but one of the um, key things that are used in trial is something called precedent. Precedent. And, and, and in jurisprudence, a precedent is when something similar has already taken place or been ruled upon in the past. And so the, the Word of God is full of precedent. In other words, if the devil tells you that you know, you're not healed, we have all kinds of precedent set for us to, to bring into court, to use as evidence to support our case that He does. So when you know, two parties meet in court, opposition to one another, it's adversarial, it's a battle, and, and being ready for trial means that the defense is going to anticipate what the accuser, prosecutor is going to say, and being ready for trial means he's ready with, with legal precedent. He's, he's ready with, with uh, real-life testimony. This, this is, you know, the Bible says that the testimony contains the spirit of prophecy. You know, you, you can use the testimony of other people in the trial uh, concerning your faith. Because if, if God ever did it for one, He'll do it for you. So, so many times, you know, we, we take our stand of faith and the, and the enemy brings some kind of, um, you know, circumstantial evidence, some kind of symptom or issue, and we just fold like a cheap lawn chair. We don't even try to fight the good fight of faith. When he tells you you're not healed and tries to get you to look to the pain in your ankle uh, to, to support it, don't, that's circumstantial evidence. Read into evidence what the judge has already said concerning your case, what he's already ruled in your favor. 
Now, we said the judge, when your faith is put on trial, is none other than God Himself. He's already ruled in your favor. You can call Him to witness on, on your behalf. I know that's a little bit odd, but you can literally, when your faith's on trial, you can call the judge to the witness stand to speak for you. You can read into evidence His ruling in your favor. We said that the prosecutor, Satan is the prosecutor, the accuser of the brethren. Hopefully we'll have time to get to that one tonight. But before I go any further, I want to just explain a little more something I mentioned last week. And that is, when your faith is on trial, your heart is the jury. Now, there are cases and there are court cases that are decided upon solely by a judge. In other words, there's no jury. It's, it's you know, the judge hears all of the, of the arguments uh, for and against, pro and con, and then he makes a ruling. In your case, the judge has already ruled. He's ruled in your favor. He's already decided and he's already gone on the record concerning your situation, okay? But when it comes to, let's talk about a physical trial. When it comes to a physical trial that involves a jury, it's only in extremely rare occasion that a judge can overrule the verdict of a jury. In other words, that judge can disagree with what the jury decides, but unless he has a really, really, really good reason to overrule them and override them, he can't do it. Now when it comes to the trial of your faith, even though Father God has already ruled in your favor, He will not overrule what you decide in your own heart. This is why I say that your, uh, your heart is the jury. So the accuser knows that he cannot win his case if he can't create doubt in the jury. This is exactly what the, the, the prosecutor, the accuser of the brethren, when he hauls your faith into court, he is trying to create doubt in the jury's mind. But in this case, in this case, right, the jury is your heart, as a man thinks in his heart. He's trying to create doubt in your heart because your heart is the jury. And even though the judge in your case has already ruled in your favor, if your heart decides something that's different from what the judge has already said, then what your heart decides is going to determine how it turns out for you. Think about that for a minute now. Think about that for a minute. Father said if, if, you, if you believe Him, nothing's impossible to the one who believes. But He also said that if you doubt in your heart, let not that man think he will receive anything from God. Because we receive by faith what grace has already given. Grace is Father God ruling in your favor. Faith is Him doing everything necessary for you to be right before Him in His eyes. Him, him paying uh, you know, every penalty, every fine, uh, every charge against you. Uh, him creating you know, this opportunity for you to become one with Him. Get in on everything that He is and everything that He has. Amen. But if your heart overrides Him, if your heart overrules what Father God has already declared concerning you, then that's what you're going to wind up experiencing in 
your life reality. Amen or on me, but that's, that's the truth right there. So let me just read it again. The accuser knows that he cannot win his case if he can't create doubt in the jury. In this case, the jury's in your heart. He's trying... The enemy knows that as long as you and I are operating in faith, he can't defeat us. And the only way he can uh, get us out of operating in faith is to convince the jury, our heart, to doubt. So every uh, effort that the enemy brings against our faith when our faith is on trial is designed strategically by him to create doubt in our heart because when the doubt comes in our heart, now the jury overrules, overrides what the judge has already said and ruled in our favor. Wow. Now, the accuser, Revelation 12 and 10, says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Now, it may be pretty obvious, but the accuser is the one who brings accusation. Right? So, I know that's real simple, but I want to start simple and build. So what does it mean to bring an accusation? To bring an accusation literally means to speak openly against. So when the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren, this means that he brings accusation against the brethren or that he speaks openly against us. He speaks openly against us. Now, if an accuser speaks openly against us, and Satan is the accuser who speaks openly against us, exactly what is it that he's saying? So again, we go back to the definition of an accuser. An accuser is someone who brings a claim. Someone who brings a claim that someone has committed an offense or done something wrong. Now, a person, let's go to like a criminal trial. A person can be 100% innocent, but a claim can be brought, a charge can be brought against them. They can be accused. And of course, they're innocent until the accuser proves them, to a jury, proves them to be guilty. Now, I, wanna, I want you to get too caught up in this and miss the simplicity. Simply put, an accuser openly speaks against you claiming that you're wrong. Claiming that you are wrong. So here's an example. The Word of God promises to you and me household salvation. When it comes to the judge, who is God the Father. He has already ruled in your favor. He has already gone on record in His Word. When He could swear by none greater, He swore by Himself. He confirmed it with an oath, and then with the blood of His own Son, He ratified this agreement that not only will you be saved, but you will be saved and your house. So you read that. You hear somebody on TV talk about that. You, you hear uh, Pastor Mark bring that up, and you say, man, 
I got family members that I want to uh, see saved. I got family members that I want to see living their best life. I got family members that I don't want to go to hell, but I want them to be in heaven with me one day. So I think I'm going to claim household salvation for me and my family. And so you claim it, you release your faith, and you begin to confess. Confess means what? Say the same as. You begin to say the same as, releasing your faith by making this confession that not only are you saved, but your entire household. So not a matter of if, but when the accuser of the brethren is going to challenge your faith because he doesn't want to see your family saved. He doesn't want to see the promises of God coming to pass in, uh, in, in your life and in your family. Remember, if God promised household salvation, you can ask Him, but the answer is yes. It's not yes and no. It's not some families yes, some families no. It's yes because all the promises of God are yes and so be it. So you say, Father God, you know, would you like for all the members of my family to be saved? He's not going to say, well, you know, you got some pretty rough family members you know I mean you got that uncle over on your mama's side that I don't know if anybody can no he's gonna be yeah are you kidding me I died for your family Jesus bled to death naked on a cross for your family to be saved I've just been waiting for somebody in your family to take me at my word and release their faith for their whole family to be saved yes and amen bang the judge is ruled okay so you've confessed it the judge is in agreement now the prosecutor is going to try to convince the jury, which is your heart, that you're wrong. That it's not for you. That that's not what that means. That it's not for everybody. That there are members in your family that are too far gone. That there's no way that could ever happen. On and on and on. So notice now, the enemy accuses you by claiming you're wrong. And then... He tries, and this is where we can't let him do this, unchallenged. He tries to bring evidence against your claim. See, you've claimed household salvation. Now he's claiming you're wrong. Okay? So we have, again, the conflict. We have the battle. We have the fight of faith. Your enemy then accuses you by claiming you're wrong and tries to bring evidence against your claim against your confession of faith to ultimately get you to doubt it or to deny it. And to deny it means to agree with Him. To, to say that it's not God's will for your family to be saved, it's not, you're not agreeing with God. You're agreeing with, with the prosecutor. You're saying the same as what the devil says about your family. It's not what God said about your family. It's what the enemy said about your family. Well, you can, you know, anything that, that we you know, have been given that, that must be received by faith, you know, just insert, you, you claim healing and confess that by the stripes of Jesus you were healed. Same thing. The enemy says, no, you're not. You're wrong. You're not healed. And here's why you're not healed. And he starts bringing the accusations. He starts making his case. And if we're not ready to, uh, to you know, for trial and, and, and to come against Him with the Word of God and, and read into evidence and fight the good fight of faith, He will succeed in convincing the jury of our heart that we're not healed after all. And next thing you know, we're agreeing with Him. I took no pleasure in saying it. Matter of fact, <laughs> I might have just snuck it in at the front because 
I was afraid I'd chicken out later, right? But the reality of it is, every trial has a winner, every trial has a loser. You say, well now, Pastor Mark, there's something called a hung jury. So if the jury of your heart is hung, guess what? You just lost. Because that means you're wavering between two points. The Bible says you're double-minded, you're unstable in all your ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from God. So, in, in this case, a hung jury doesn't work in your favor. A hung jury means you've lost the fight of faith. You've lost the trial. Whew. It was taking me six weeks to finally say it. Amen. <laughs> but that's the reality of it. That's what, we're, that's what we're dealing with here, my brother, my sister. You know, we, you can get mad at God all you want to. You can blame Him all you want to. But, but the reality of it is it comes, it comes back to faith. And, and if, if we will, you know, I, listen, I'm already seeing benefit in my life from the things he's teaching me about this. And that's why I get so excited when I stand before you, uh, you, know, to, uh, you know, to preach and teach these things. Uh, I, I talked for an hour and 45 minutes, you know, from 5 to 6.45. And I don't think I stuttered or stammered one single time. I mean, it was flow, right? Then I get up here to talk about this and I'm like, you know, it's just because I'm, I'm so excited about it. And, and there's so many different things I want to try to explain to you at one time. Praise God. And speaking of time, we're almost out of it for tonight. Turn with me. Let's at least do this. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5. And we'll begin at verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. Before I read this, before I read this, listen to me, please. We started last year challenging ourselves. When I say ourselves, and I'm not just me challenging you, the Holy Spirit challenging all of us to exercise our faith, to, to start using our faith uh, and putting into practice the things that He was teaching us about faith to, to begin to receive. And I told you, man, I've, you know, Something in your life, something on your job, something in your home, something with your family, something in your body. Find something and, and let's start going after that. Let's start pursuing it. Uh, let's start believing God for it. Let's, let's you know, and so I, whatever it may be, may, maybe it's something financial or, 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 or something to do with a relationship. I, I don't know. Um, something emotional or, or mental or physical. But Father has provided and, and He's He's already said yes. He's already ruled in your favor. Instead of just kind of, and I don't mean this disrespectful, but you know, instead of just kind of flippantly like, you know, hoping and praying, you know, believing for the man upstairs to come through for me this time, you know, that, you know, the devil just looks at that and laughs. I mean, he's like, yeah, come on with that. What? He just slap that down, right? I mean, he'll just, he'll just slap you out of court so fast you won't even know what hit you, right? So how about, Let's, let's build a case, right? Let's, let's, let's find out what, the, what, the, what the, the judge has said in your favor about your finances, okay? And, and see, now we, we, get our, we get ready for trial because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you step out in faith, the devil is going to challenge you. He's going to contradict you. And if you're not ready for him, he's more than likely he's going to win. And I don't want him to win. I don't want him to win against me. I don't want him to win against you. 
All right, so here we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. What's he saying? He said, you're not the only one that deals with these things. The same thing that, that you experienced when it comes to the trial of your faith is common to every other born-again believer. In other words, the enemy, you're not the exception. You're not the only one. You know, that's, the, that, that's what the devil tries to tell us. You're the only one. Nobody understands you. My brother, my sister, we've, if, if you've ever tried to lift a faith finger to move the, uh, uh, a molehill out of the way, you know that the enemy is going to try to challenge and disprove your faith. All right? We're going to come back to these verses. Let's go to verse 10. But may the God of all grace who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, um, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle... And he's talking about being tried and an adversary coming against us. Do you see how that sounds very, very similar to so that you may be perfect and entire lacking nothing? The, the passage, the text we read from James. So, you know, everybody wants to be complete lacking nothing. Everybody wants to be uh, established, strengthened, and settled, you know, these kinds of things. But we see this word suffer, and it's so intimidating. My friend, it does not mean what the devil wants you to think it means. All right? And it's going to take me next week. I'm not trying to do a cliffhanger here. It's going to take me some time next week. But this word, let me just give you one little clue, okay? The Bible talks about people suffering good things, okay? Because what the word really means is an experience that marks you. It's talking about um, you know, something that, that, that you have uh, undergone or experienced in life. And the, and the word can be used for something positive or it can be used for something negative. It can be a positive experience or it can be a negative experience. We hear suffer and, oh my goodness gracious, uh, religiously uh, infected people go ape with this word suffer. All right? And it, it just simply means, um, you know, things, experiences that the enemy's trying to use against you. Well, let's, let's go back up here. 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, come too far not to give you this much, and then I'll, then I'll pray, okay? I'm guilty of it, like a lot of the people that I've heard teach on this verse are guilty of it. So I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. But... Every time I've heard somebody teach on this verse number 8, they talk about the roaring lion part. And I've heard all kinds of cool things about, you know, when the, when the lion gets older and his teeth fall out and he's not as fast and strong that he relies upon the roar and how the devil's a toothless enemy. And I, Listen, I'm not making light of all that. It, Praise God, he's, he's less than toothless, right? Um, but the, as many times as I've read, quoted this verse, studied this verse, 
Um, I've never considered the word adversary. And I am not making this up. You, you go to the Greek lexicon, the Greek dictionary, okay? Um, are you ready for what the word adversary means? It means an opponent in a lawsuit. <laughs> it means an opponent in a lawsuit. Oh, Pastor Mark, that's just too convenient. Well, what did Jesus say in Luke 12? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him lest he drag you to the judge, the judge deliver you to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. When you go with your opponent in a lawsuit to the magistrate, that's the word, adversary, right there, right there, okay? So, the Holy Spirit's way cool, right? He's way smart. He knew that's what that meant, even though I didn't know what it meant, and he led me to it, all right? Now, what this means is every word in here is extremely important. For instance, and I know I just, it's hard for me to stop, right? This word sober means to think carefully before doing or saying anything, right? I mean, is there anywhere outside of court that people are more careful about what they do and say? Think about that for a minute, man. You're on trial, civil case, criminal case. You're on trial. Nowhere are you more aware. I mean, you know, a good defense attorney will tell you what to wear, how to cut your hair, you know, when to smile, when to not smile, when, you know, all these things, right? Every little detail and nuance, facial expression, all of these things, because the jury, right, is watching. So when he says be sober, he's saying be aware of and think carefully about what you say, about the things that you do, the things that you say, because the opponent in your lawsuit, right, he's seeking whom he may devour. Not just a lion, he's a shark. He's trying to get you. He's trying to defeat you. Okay? Amen. Oh, next Wednesday, come quickly. Amen. We've got some good stuff along these lines. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. It's after 8 o'clock. Amen. So uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for revealing truth to us. Thank you for helping us, Lord, to lay hold of the wisdom that you have provided for us in your word. Father, I really feel like your Holy Spirit is circling me back to just reminding everybody listening right now one more time. You've already ruled in our favor. You've already said yes. So be it. You're not a yes and no God. You're the judge in our case, and you've ruled in our favor. The problem that we have, Father, is we keep letting the jury of our heart overrule, override your positive verdict for us and for our situation. Lord, May we meditate on that. I ask, Father, that you show us, Lord, where our either laziness or lack of understanding is making it easy for the devil to win case after case after case against our faith. Father, I thank you that that tide is turning.
enough's enough, and you are getting your people ready for trial. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Tell somebody around you good things coming. You have a blessed rest of your week. We will see you Sunday, either in person or live stream. Hey, remember again, if you're interested in tuning in with us on Sunday morning live stream, shoot me an email. I'll get you the link uh, just in case we don't have it accessible on the church website. Amen. You be blessed. Have a great evening.